background. We are continuing in our series, Faith Begins at Home. Our emphasis for this series has been that God has designed the home to be the central place. It is the soil through which the seed of the gospel is planted and grown. Fruit grows from the home. That you have a distinct role regardless of whether where you are. As a single person, if you're married, if you are a parent or a grandparent, God has designed the home to be a unique place for faith development. And so today, we're going to talk about one facet of that. We're going to talk today about grandparenting. And I want to say this as I have with each and every message. My desire is that each and every one of you would find application for your life regardless of where where you are. We have addressed God's design for marriage and parenting. Some of you aren't married and some of you aren't parents, but I've had notes and emails and texts from people who have said these messages have resonated with me. My desire and my hope is that today would be the same. You say, well, I'm not a grandparent. I, I hope that you would hear today from God and that you would find application right where you are. I believe that God has a focus for all of us in the midst of that, and I pray that it would be true for us today. I do want to say this about all of these messages. These are not just happenstance. We didn't just randomly say, well, it would be a good idea to preach on the family. Those of you that were here from the beginning of this year might remember that Scott Pittman, our family ministry pastor, and I preached a message on the state of the church. And we said, we declared, this year is a year focused on family discipleship. And we have created the Faith at Home Center. Some of you are, are still not sure what that is or what that means. I hope that over time you will see the value. Directly in front of our library is the Faith at Home Center. There are resources there, and those resources are aimed at every stage of life. If you are single, hope to marry, maybe you're engaged, maybe you're newly married and considering children, maybe you are at a place where you are caring for an aged loved one, maybe you are a, a grandparent. Every life stage is covered with resources, and so it's individualized for where you are. And I want to encourage you to pick those up and find encouragement from them and then share them with others and encourage them. Very, this very day, there are several resources that are there. We've also put them at the Connect stations, which means on your way out today, they're there. Here are four. One is on being an intentional grandfather. One is on retirement. One is on God-honoring legacy and one on influencing grandchildren. I want to encourage you to pick those up, read through them. We have tried our very best to develop a mindset that we will equip you, that our role as pastors is to help to equip you to do the work of ministry. And part of the work of ministry there is for you to share with your children and your grandchildren the glorious good news of the gospel. I, I want to remind you that all of our best summer ever resources are there. We have stuff for your family to do together. And, and there are places of connection so that you can have fun together as a family. But you can utilize those times strategically as opportunities to pass along your faith. So I hope that we're on the same page together. All this is about faith development. All this is about the gospel. All this is about sharing Jesus Christ with those that are coming behind us. Now, as we talk about grandparenting today, there are two thoughts that I want to share with you just very simply. And here they are. There, there are two points to emphasize. God's faithfulness and your faith. This isn't in your notes, but think about it with me. 
Maybe at times when we get to a place in life where we recognize that perhaps we have more years behind us than we have ahead of us. You come to the place where you say, you know, my days are, are, are thinning. My time is thinning. I, I want you to realize that you need to be encouraged not only by the lives and the memories that you have made, regardless of, of what you have done thus far, God is still faithful. His love and His guidance is there. His love and His faithfulness pervades. It continues. But I also want you to see not just His faithfulness, I want you to see your faith. And this is where I'm going to focus today. You have a critical role to play in the lives of your grandchildren. You have a critical role to play in the lives of those that are behind you. You have a critical role of faith uh, passing in your life. You need to be a part of God's design there. And I don't want you to sit on the sideline. I don't want you to say, well, my days are through. I'm, I'm at the sunset years of my life. No, you can be intentional in this season of your life and make more of an impact than you perhaps even had in the lives of your own children. And so that's where we're going to focus today. I believe with all of my heart that as we look at the Bible, we should ask these questions of ourselves. As we think about grandparenting by grandparents, and leaving a godly legacy. Here are some questions that I want to plant into your mind. How can I nurture the faith of my grandchildren? Some of you maybe have never truly intentionally asked that question. Oh, you love them, you buy them stuff, you spend time with them, but you've never stopped and said, how can I nurture the faith of my grandchildren? Some of you need to ask this question. How can I be the best possible godly grandparent I can be. So let's think for a few moments, if we can, from Scripture about what that looks like. If you are there in Psalm 103, I invite your attention to verse 17. Psalm 103, 17. Let's read this from Scripture. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children. Let me say that again. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children. Now let's just take a moment and think about this idea of grandchildren from the Bible. Ten different times this phrase is used, children's children. About eight more times the actual word grandchild is used in Scripture. You see a lot of instruction there, but most of the instruction about grandchildren and about generations is not from instructional words like these from the psalm, but rather when we reflect on Scripture, what you see are grandparents in action. If you think about some of those grandparents that we know of all throughout the Scripture that made an impact, I see Jacob with his grandsons Ephraim and Manasseh, and we see him laying his hands on them and blessing them. If you think about Naomi, grandmother of Obed, and then Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David, you see grandparents and generational lineage involved in and impacting their grandchildren. Only one time do we see that word used in the New Testament, but it's used in the life of a pastor, a young evangelist named Timothy. And Paul in 2 Timothy is speaking about his sincere faith. And he said, your sincere faith I first saw alive in your grandmother Lois. And then in your mother. 
And then I see in you also that same faith. You see, there was a generational blessing that had been passed along into the life of young Timothy, this pastor, by his grandmother and by his mother. What a powerful, wonderful picture of God using uh, Paul to share that with us because it helps us to see God's design. Here's what I want you to see. Very clear, very simple statement. God longs for, desires to bless those lives that are lived righteously for His glory. God desires to bless lives that are lived righteously for His glory. That means all of us. If you live your life righteously for the glory of God, God will honor that and He will bless that. And the Bible talks about generational blessing, that those blessings would be visited to their sons and to their sons' sons, to children's children, third and fourth generation. The reality is there's also a picture in Scripture of generational curses. You say, well, that doesn't sound very grace-filled, that God would visit the grandchildren or the third and fourth generation of a unrighteous man. Now make no mistake, God judges sin perfectly. He is a perfectly just judge and all of us stand on our own two feet. A righteous man will not cover the sins of his children and his grandchildren but a righteous life perhaps will guide them toward righteousness. On the other side of that though, a man who has not walked with God may be very well leading generations of his family away from the things of God and there we see these generational curses. Perhaps in a family There is a disposition, if you will, toward sin generationally. Think about that with me. Sin always provokes the judgment of God. And if there's a sinful disposition in your family today, my encouragement to you is take it to the cross, repent of it, and ask Jesus to forgive it. You can break those kinds of cycles. Don't let a generational disposition towards sin be common in your family. Don't let it be a part of your family. Break that cycle. Repent. Take it to Christ. Don't tolerate it at all. I put in your notes these words, a grandparent's goal ought to be to be a spiritual blessing to those who come after them. What I'm saying to you this morning is this, you ought to aspire to leave a harvest of righteousness, of faith, of peace, of holiness in your children and in your grandchildren. Some of you have never ever thought about your role as a grandparent in those terms. You simply said, I get to reap the benefit of these kids that I can love on and spoil and then send back. Now that is a great benefit of it, absolutely. But you're not called grandparents for nothing. You've been promoted to a unique new role and your role ought to be intentionally to focus on being a spiritual blessing to all that come behind you. You ought to focus your life and say, during these days of my life, during this season of my life, I'm going to impact those in my family for Christ. God has given you the unique opportunity to fulfill four roles that I want to share with you today. Role number one, God wants you as a grandparent to be a standard setter. He wants you to be a standard setter. He wants you to be a role model. He wants you to set the pace. Listen to the words of the psalmist this morning. 
Psalm 92. You may want to jot some of these references down and go back later. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. A lot of times we reach an age in our lives where we sit down spiritually and the Bible says you need to set the pace. You need to set the standard. You've been walking with the Lord and because of your faithful walk with the Lord, you need to recognize that now more than ever those around you need to see a godly example. And you can be that role model. God calls you to be that role model. You say, Brother Scott, how do I do that? I'm so glad you asked. I put in your notes by modeling, teaching, and encouraging some things. You need to model it. You need to walk the walk and then talk the talk. You need to teach and encourage inspiring faith. You can look at at several things here. You need to teach them. I, I wish that we had time to invest in each and every one of these. But I want you to see them. You can teach them inspiring faith. Do your grandkids know how you came to know the Lord? Have you ever just sat down, maybe sit down this week over a milkshake and, and, or over a Coke or a hamburger, sit down with them and lovingly share with them how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. You see, that will inspire their faith. But too many times we don't share that. We just live our lives. We hug on them, we love on them, we give them stuff, and we miss out on the opportunity to inspire faith in them because our faith ourselves is not inspirational. They need to see you walking in consistent integrity. They need to see you in practical poise. That means that you are submitted to Jesus Christ wherever you are. Do they see that, granddad, when you're in the car and somebody cuts you off? Do they see that when something happens politically and on the news you're watching it and your reaction to that is so unchristlike? that they lose any sense of practical poise. You see, you and I have an opportunity intentionally to train and teach and nurture coming generations. It's about walking with Christ. Your grandchildren need to see you teaching them about personal discipline and steadfast endurance. All of those things coming together by modeling and teaching them. And I want to take it one step further and give you a statement that I I got quite a reaction to this past week on social media. And here it is. I, I want to share it with you. Don't pray for your kids and your grandkids anything that you're not willing to live out for yourself. It just got quiet. Hello? Amen? God, I want my grandchildren to walk with you. Are you walking with the Lord? God, I want them to be faithful. Are you faithful? God, I want them to have integrity. Do you have integrity? I I see parents all the time tell their children, well, you can't watch this show or this show because you're not old enough. I I understand there are very, very legitimate age-appropriate things. But at what age do you become old enough to watch ungodly things and be entertained by it? You see, we've got this mindset, well, I, I'm now, I'm okay, I can discern through that. And the reality is, they need to see you walking in faithfulness. And if you're praying for your children to love Jesus, you better love Jesus. And I better love Jesus. The flip side of that is, I better be praying for my kids. They desperately need a prayer covering. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But this idea of, of walking the walk. 
a pastor friend of mine who pastors up in the Memphis, Tennessee area was dealing with this just a couple of weeks ago. He had grandparents that walked into his office and said, Pastor, for the next couple of months, we're not going to be at church much. He said, well, I'm, I'm glad you would share that with me so that I'll know, but why? And they said, well, our grandchildren play competitive baseball, and we made a commitment a long time ago to be with them all the time. And he looked at them, and he didn't mince words, and he didn't back up. He said, there's a difference in being a godly grandparent and being there for your grandchildren and worshiping kids, and there's a big difference. They kind of stepped back. He said, well, let me, let me just put it this way. He said, do you want your grandchildren to have a, a good swing of the bat? And they said, absolutely. Do you want your grandchildren to learn the fundamentals of fielding the ball? And they said, absolutely. And he said, well, a good swing and good fielding skills and dying and going to hell is not a great option. Hello. And, and the reality is that we've got to stand up and set standards. And I'm not saying we do it legalistically. I'm saying that we don't compromise our morals, our beliefs. We don't capitulate to the culture that's around us. And there's application for everyone here, not just for grandparents. You, as a bearer of the name of Christ, need to raise the standard in your life. This country does not need a group of tolerant Christians who have no convictions. This country desperately needs a church filled with people who would say, I, thus saith the Lord, this is my standard. They need to say, for once and for only and for always, I'm going to love and follow and serve Jesus Christ. Is that said of you? Do your grandchildren see that statement true of you? My grandpa is a rock and he stands for Jesus. My grandmother is a faithful, faithful follower of Jesus. You set the standard. Don't let the world around us set the standard. You see what's happening is that we have capitulated to darkness and Jesus called us to be light. We need to call the world to a different level of life. And my heart breaks and aches as I think about those things. Society needs desperately a clarion call, a clear picture for us. Let me say it this way. Everyone has convictions. Would you agree with that? You have convictions. And you will give your greatest energy and time and resources to the areas of greatest conviction in your life. Paul told the church at Thessalonica, the gospel came to you with power and with conviction. So here's the application for every single person. You say, Pastor, I'm not a grandparent. Well, you are accountable to God as a believer. So if you know Jesus, here's the part that it fits for everybody. On this personal journey of faith, are you living a life with gospel conviction. Is the Bible the standard that guides every area of life and faith and practice for you? Last Wednesday night I asked a pointed question and the, the room got pretty still in there too. Very simple question. Do you really, truly want to know God's will for your life? I, I think if we're gut level honest, if we hold a mirror up to our faces and say, honestly, I don't know that I do. And what that means is we don't trust God with our lives. 
Because if we trusted God with our lives, we'd have no trouble trusting with our money or with our family or with our time. We'd have no trouble trusting Him in the midst of our problems. But what we do is pray, God, get me out of this problem. Maybe God puts you in the middle of that problem so that He can show you a deeper level of trust that you can have in Him as He walks through the problem with you. Are you living a life of gospel conviction? Are you setting standards for people around you to see? If not, very simple solution. Repent. 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 Today I want to call our church to get on her knees and to ask the Father to forgive us. Today I want to call all of us to get on our knees and ask Jesus Christ to lead us. I want us to get on our knees and ask the Holy Spirit to indwell us and to fill us. I want to encourage you to be a standard setter, to say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. And he says, I'm glad you came to that place. Rest crucified in me. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, Paul said, but the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How can you be a role model for them? Well, there's a lot of things you can't do for your grandkids. But there are a lot of things you can do. Love them. Pray for them. Are you praying for the salvation of your grandchildren? Are you praying for their ordinary needs? Are you praying for good and godly friends? My encouragement to you this week, every person, go this week and buy a notebook. Just get you a simple journal. And start journaling some prayers. Maybe you've never done that before, but as a parent or as a husband or a wife, certainly as a grandparent, that's the application here. But begin writing down some very specific prayers. I think part of our prayer life anemia comes from the fact that we're praying so generally that we don't see the blessings of God in the answers. Pray specifically. Pray for their mate. You say, my grandbaby is 18 months old. Good, now's a good time. You're only 18 months behind. You need to start praying that God would raise up a godly young man or a godly young woman to be that grandchild's spouse one day. You need to pray for wisdom in life's experiences. My grandmother used to say this, 15 minutes of stupid can ruin your entire life. Some of you won't get anything else today, but you'll go home and you'll remember that. Some of you may be thinking that's about this sermon. I don't know. Fifteen minutes of stupid can ruin your life. Pray that they make good decisions and they surround themselves with godly people and they don't get swept away. I've seen story after story. I've visited kids that were now adults that are in jails because they, in a moment's notice, made a bad decision to get in this car or to go to that party or to be a part of something that they knew was not a part of their life. And if somebody had set a standard for them by praying for them, maybe that momentary lapse of foolishness would be overcome by the wisdom that you would prayed God would give them. Pray that the devil's hands would be bound in their life. Pray that they would have godly discernment and spiritual growth. I pray all the time, oh God, would you make my children godly young women? Have you prayed that for your grandkids? Oh, make him a man of God. Make her a woman of God. Give them a comfort when they open their mouth to share the gospel. Now, don't pray that they would have that if you're not willing to do it. We gather together often on Monday nights and we go out and we share the gospel. We'd love for you to join us. Are you willing to do those things that you say you want for their lives? 
Be a standard setter. Be a role model. Number two, God wants you to be a blessing giver. Proverbs 10, 7 says this, The memory of the righteous will be a blessing. God wants you to bless them. And I'm going to go through some thoughts very quickly. I'll write these down for you later. They'll be at the Faith at Home Center next week. But how can you be a blessing to them spiritually? By praying for them and with them. By encouraging them in their growth and their gifts. By valuing the creation that they are. How can you be a blessing to your grandchildren emotionally? Listen to this. Celebrate their accomplishments. You know, it's important for you to show up for those recitals and those ball games. It's important for you to back them up and to celebrate those accomplishments because you can be a blessing to them emotionally. Encourage them through their struggles and communicate unconditional love with them in as many ways as possible. How can you be a blessing to them physically? Provide a home that's open to them where they're always welcome. Provide arms where they're always safe. And provide an atmosphere where they're always accepted. You see, you can tell them about your experiences and your blessings. You can plant seeds in their life. Let your grandchildren, let your children know life is not fair and God is still good. That's worth an amen. Anybody here recognize that God, life is not fair at times? Anybody? That's most of you. Anybody experience the continual goodness of God in the middle of life's inequities? Yeah. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. His goodness was demonstrated in the blood that we've sung about this day. He shed His blood for us because of His good love toward us. The right thing to do is not always the popular thing, and the popular thing is not always the right thing. But the reality is you can be a blessing to your grandchildren by showing them the difference. Again, I'll go back to the joys of grandparenting. I mean, you think about it, the joy, it's a joy and a blessing to have them. Someone said this to me not long ago. If I had known grandkids would be this fun, I would have had them first. And they said the joy is that I can love them, I can spoil them, and I can send them home. But make sure that the door is open for them to come back. I, they, they will wear you out at times. I realize that. You don't have the energy that you had, but you've got wisdom that you didn't have earlier. I, I had somebody else this past week tell me the sweetest three words in the, the English language to his ears were these. Bye, Papa. He said, I was putting him in the car and I heard those sweet words. Bye, Papa. And he said, thank you, Lord. I'm going to take a nap. But he said, while we're together, I'm going to be a blessing giver and I'm going to be a standard setter, a role model. What's another role that God has called you to be? Number three, I want you to see this. God wants you to be a legacy maker. Listen to Proverbs 20, verse 7. The righteous man leads a blameless life. Blessed are his children after him. You, you see, you need to make decisions that are based on internal perspective. What would it look like if, if instead of just saving up to take your grandkids and your kids to Disney World and they'll forget all about it in a long, long time, what if you began now saving money for your, your, children, your grandchildren that are uh, of early age, toddler, preschoolers? What if you began to save up for a mission trip for them? 
What if you begin to say, I'm going to begin praying in a powerful way that the legacy of my life is that the gospel is presented because my children and my grandchildren are flaming evangelists for Jesus. They love him and they want to share him everywhere. Leave good tracks for them to follow. Let them know why you do what you do. Be an example of faithful living. Parents, let me say this to all of you. You are the primary spiritual teacher of your children. And if you send them to church, instead of bringing them to church, you send a mixed message. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir here because the people that have done that are elsewhere. But don't just send them to Bible school this week. Bring them to Bible school. Be a part of it. Will it be tiring? Yes, I I can guarantee that. Will it be worth it? Invest in things that last forever, not just in the temporal. Make an intentional focus on being a disciple maker. And you know what will happen? Y'all need to hear this. Choir, y'all listening? You with me? I know they are. If you'll set the standard and become this kind of legacy maker, you will become a tool of conviction in the life of your adult children. If your kids come home from Memaw's house talking about Jesus because they did a craft or a Bible study with Memaw and Papaw that helped them to focus on Jesus, then your adult kids are going to go, you know, I need to get my ducks in a row. I need to really start focusing on the right things. You can become an agent of conviction. Not that you're wanting to convict them, you're wanting to encourage them. But your life can set a legacy in motion for future generations. Role number four, and we'll close here. God wants you to be a torchbearer. A torchbearer. This goes along with the first one. It goes along with being a standard setter, but I want you to hear this. You see, in biblical times, in the Greek idea of a marathon. Oftentimes they ran super marathons, which was almost a hundred miles. And the goal was not the time in which you finished, the goal was finishing. And you could run 99 and a half miles and your torch get blown out and you're disqualified from the race. You see, you had to carry the torch all the way across the finish line. And some of you have stopped putting fuel in the torch. Some of you have said, I'm tired. What I want to challenge and motivate and encourage and pull from this church is a desire to finish well, to cross the line, holding the torch high. Listen to these words from Psalm 71, 18. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Be a torchbearer of the gospel to your grandchildren and to your community. Make sure your grandchildren hear the truth of the gospel from your lips. Make sure as you trust the Holy Spirit to draw them on His time schedule that you're praying for them. Hold the torch up high. Be a standard bearer. Be a a standard setter, a torch bearer. Be a legacy maker. God longs for this to be part of your life and he's designed it for you. All of this, all of our faith at Home Center, all of our focus on discipleship, all of the resources that we put together boil down to one single solitary concept. You ready? Intentional obedience. 
Write those two words down somewhere. Intentional obedience. Let them soak into your heart and then ask this question. Regardless of my stage of life, from singleness, maybe you're single again, maybe you've never married. Maybe you're currently married and not a parent. Maybe you're married and you are a parent. Maybe you're a grandparent. Maybe you're a great-grandparent. Some of you maybe are just so-so grandparents. I always wondered about that. When somebody called themselves a great-grandparent, or they talked about their great-grandchildren, I said, now, do you mean these are your children's children, or do you mean they're just exceptional children? They're great-grandchildren. I thought they are all great. Regardless of where you are, here's the question. Are you intentionally obeying the Lord Jesus Christ in all that He has designed you to be? You see, it's pretty simple. He just wants you to focus on Him, to treasure Him above all else. And He has a design and a plan for your life and for your family. Will you walk in that plan? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the privilege we've had of being in your house today. God, I pray that you would utilize even the words that have been spoken to draw someone to a place of intentional obedience today. Lord, if there's someone here today that's lost, they're separated from you. They, they don't know what it means to have a relationship with God. I pray that they would find themselves willing to say, I want more. They would walk the aisle and they would take someone by the hand and, and we could explain to them very simply what it means to be saved. God, have your way during this invitation time. We give it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a hymn of decision. Maybe you need to unite with this church. Maybe you need to come and make a fresh commitment as a parent or as a grandparent. Maybe today the need of your life is to know Jesus, to be saved.